Craig, it's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal. Hi, everyone, uh, and welcome to another episode of Planet Hollywood, uh, where we're going to try and untangle the murky world of Scottish politics and hopefully entertain you along the way. Um, so I'm Hannah Roger, the chief reporter at the Sunday Mail, and I'm going to be doing my best to stand in for Paul Hutchin while he's off uh, gallivanting. But um, I'm not alone. So I'm joined today by Anna Burnside, who's the chief writer at the Daily Record, and Douglas Dickey, who's the content editor at the Scottish Daily Express. Hello. Welcome. Greetings. Hi there. How are we all? Well, I'm fine, but Paul Hutchin was messaging me um, on Wednesday when I was at the COVID inquiry, no, Tuesday, when I was at the COVID inquiry, and um, he was in a spa, so that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Thanks, Paul. Yeah, we're not all so lucky. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I think, you know, let's start off. It was obviously, there's quite a lot to kind of talk about in terms of, of Scottish politics this week. I thought maybe... Um, Anna, seeing as you were at the, the Scottish COVID inquiry, you can maybe start off by telling us a little bit about, you know, about what you sort of experienced there and also, you know, if if we think there's a need really to have this separate Scottish one, given that there's a UK-wide one happening or, or, or what you think, you know, will be the benefit of it? Well, from the, the, the people that I, I spoke to, I think they definitely, so So it was um, the first phase of the inquiries looking at the people who were affected by COVID, the, the Scottish inquiries going in the other way around from the UK one and that they're starting with people and their individual stories and then moving on to process and decision making. So it was really uh, people front and centre for the first, it's going to be people front and centre for the first phase. And I spoke to just a few families and bereaved on um, Tuesday and they're very, very much needing a Scottish inquiry. Some of them have, some of the people I spoke to have also been down to London and involved in the UK inquiry, but the scale of that means that their stories are, are not going to be front and centre. And with so much, obviously, health and devolved matter, so many decisions made in Scotland were different from decisions in London. I do think we need that. I think there's obviously a lot of questions people want answered and just a lot of people just need to tell their stories with the bit of distance we now have. And, you know, I was quite impressed and humbled even by people being prepared to go through it all again, relive it. Very, very difficult reliving these ghastly, traumatic experiences, but they are so um, convinced that the only way that anything like this could have a hope of being handled better in the future is to have the kind of granular detail that they can supply and, you know, to learn lessons from that. So I think it got off to... um, I think it got off to as good a start as it could. The actual arrangements for it are, are, I have to say, quite annoying. The actual hearing is in a room in George Street and the families and so on who uh, want to watch it 
are watching it from a screening room 10 minutes walk away in kind of serviced offices in Princess Street. So actually it was quite a COVID-y setup and that you were watching it through a screen. Uh, the press room, the journalists weren't in the room with the inquiry. We were also in a separate room in mm. this weird serviced office block 10 minutes walk away. So it it was a that was in itself a strange flashback to COVID to, to experiencing things through a screen. Um, mm. So I don't I don't think these arrangements are ideal, but um, the building they were going to have it in the old GPO where they had the trams inquiries being done up. So uh, apparently uh, in a city the size of Edinburgh they, they couldn't find a somewhere that fit everyone in. So that's why that mm. was quite annoying. Um, but I mean that's a procedural thing, you know. That, that's that's not the the meat and drink of it. I thought it. I thought it got off to as good a start as it probably could. Mm, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, for for anyone, I think just reliving any part of the pandemic is is pretty horrific. Um, you know, I I kind of struggle to to watch things, you know, dramatizations or discussions about the pandemic, and I, I just get very very frustrated. And you know, so I can I can only imagine what it'd be like for the families who are having to go. You know, and potentially, I mean, I presume as well, these families, if they are involved in both inquiries, they might be having to give evidence twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, very, very challenging. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And just even, even if they're not giving evidence, you know, just being back in that room, sitting through, listening to all these stories, you know, you're right back in it. I was right back in it. Um, yeah, it, it, unbelievably tough for them. And I was really, really impressed by their grit. And the, the fact that they weren't angry, you know, that no one that I saw had brought a pitchfork with them. They weren't angry. They were being, mm. they had a really mature and actually generous um, attitude. You know, they were just, they were there for all the right reasons. Um, and, and I thought, well, let's hope that that tone continues. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to see politicians having a similar, similarly mature and, you know, positive approach to it. Yeah, well, we can only hope. Um <laughs> I think, you know, one of the other things that kind of stuck out to me um, this week was, I don't know, Dougie, if you saw this, the, the David Tideman, who's the um, chief executive at Ferguson Marine, um, he was speaking in Holyrood and he revealed some interesting information about the price of the ferries contract, which I feel like, you know, it can't get any worse, but do you want to tell us maybe a bit more about what he said, if you're... Yeah, sure. So, uh, obviously, this is the, the Glenn Sanderson, the Glenn Sanderson, the Glenn, Glenn Rosa, I think is the... Yeah. Is um, which was supposed to have been on the water by now, a cost of £97 million. But Mr Tideman uh, was in Parliament this week to inform us that the actual cost is going to be £360 million at the moment. Um, you know, £35 million spent on redesigns alone. We're now at the stage where, and I, 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 I don't think anyone is going to think that the the the, the cost is going to finish at three sixty million. So we're in a, a a situation where conceivably we could be spending double the amount on these two ferries than Alex Salmon said we would spend on setting up an entire independent state in two thousand and fourteen. So I, I, I mean I think it's such a stark contrast there that it, it, it's just an outrageous outrageous situation, Hannah. And, you know, we've, we've yeah. obviously discussed this before. This isn't the first time we've brought it up. No one's been taken to task on it. 
Um, that photo call in 2017 with the painted on windows has mm. kind of come to epitomise, uh, yeah. you know, the SNP government. And of course, we then found out this week that, you know, Humza Yusuf was desperate to get involved in that, which I think sums up Humza Yusuf's luck at times. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that was interesting as well that, that came out this week is not only is it going to cost, I think they said up to, it could cost up to 400 yeah. million, but the fact that the, the market value of these vessels is only 70 million pounds. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and there was also some talk of, I think I read somebody had said, you know, the design of these vessels is more complex than for designs for warships. I mean, Anna, what 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 is going on here? What why why is this being mishandled so badly? You know, is it just a case that all governments struggle with these big infrastructure projects, or is it a unique, you know, do we have a uniquely incompetent case here? I think it's really a really good example of political hubris, isn't it? I mean, Alex Salmon's hubris and that he he wanted to be the leader, the SNP leader of a country that had its own shipbuilding industry and could build its own ferries and could fill this contract. And, you know, that would that was the kind of country that he wanted us to be. And so there was the sweetheart deal to to get this deal through and what we've been landed with is is ships that are only going to be worth 70 million and are going to leave the taxpayer with this massive huge deficit i mean the ins and outs of ferry design are not on a specialist subject don't know if there anyone here's specialist subject but i am i am completely ready to believe that it's a very complicated um thing to design that it's more complicated than a warship does seem a stretch um, but I, I don't feel I don't feel qualified to to make a decision on that. But it I does remember. sound as if during during lockdown, you know, they were they were looking at plans on Zoom, and you know, nobody was. It just sounds like a absolute mess mm. and catalogue of disasters from start to finish. But but to me, that the 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 important thing is well, why. Why did we embark on this? And that's that's my kind of takeaway from it is it was a it was wildly overambitious from the start. Mm. So do you, I mean would you agree with that, Dougie, that it was just too ambitious from the beginning and it was kind of almost designed to fail, or or do you think I don't think it should be too ambitious to build a couple of ferries? And again, like Anna, I'm not going to you know claim that I have any great knowledge on. Uh, shipbuilding, make it float is about the uh, extent <laughs> my knowledge, but obviously the, the Aeon don't, communities... Don't paint on the windows, that might be well, you, 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 just you know, a suggestion. Especially when the scenery is so beautiful, you want to be able to look out the windows, you know, instead <laughs> of a black bit of paint, but um, I think I think the Aeon communities, you know, the, the Calmac stock is is, is old, it's ageing. Um, I, I, I went to Rossi a few years ago, and I'm pretty sure it was the same ship that I used to go on when I went on holiday when I was five. Um, <laughs> you know, it needed to be done. We need we need these boats, but we need to make it worthwhile to the taxpayer. The 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 island communities deserve these boats. You know, we've already spoke about how badly they're struggling. 
Um, there needs to be some sort of inquiry into this. We need to know why this has happened, how this has happened. O obviously, you've, you, you know, the definition of madness is doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. So we need to make sure that, because we are going to need to do this in the future. You know, we are going to need new ferries soon. So we need to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And, and, and people need to be held. I, I, I think what gets the public's goat so much about this is that people don't seem to be being held responsible for it. It's just, oh, well, you know, there was design issues. Oh, we, we, it, it just seems to get passed off. And you've got a lot of people, I, I remember, was it was it Pete Wishart was moaning that this kept getting brought up in Holyrood as if it was like, you know, how, <laughs> uh, how dare we question, um, you, you know, this horrific waste or what appears to be a horrific waste of public money. That, mm. you know, we're getting close to a bill, again, similar to the, to the, to the Scottish Parliament building, which was obviously such a massive scandal. We need answers to this. The public needs answers, deserves answers. And and I think, um, yeah, we, we actually need to get them. Yeah, I think, you know, the idea of a public inquiry is interesting, but also, you know, I feel like Scotland is just becoming like public inquiry central at the minute. And these things are, are also hugely expensive. Um, they take a very, very long time. I mean, that Edinburgh Trams inquiry, I do, you guys might have the, more information than me, but that took forever. And I don't know, that was the findings were only published recently. Is that true? Or has, have they not been published yet? Yeah, no, that was, I, I, I think that's Yeah, correct. I mean, so we've got that. We've got obviously the COVID inquiry, hugely important. We've got the Scottish Hospitals inquiry. Um, you know, there's all these things that, while they're really important, I think, you know, they're hugely costly. They take so much time and ultimately it's quite rare to get a sort of satisfactory conclusion, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean... Sorry. No, on you go, Anna. On you go. I was just going to say, I think that the difference with the COVID inquiry is that I think what will come out of that, hope, what everyone's hoping will come out of that is not just a report that sits in a shelf, it's actually an action plan because there will undoubtedly be another pandemic. I think that gives that a bit of kind of energy and impetus, mm -hmm. whereas the Trams inquiry, it, it kind of felt, well, yeah, but it's happened, it's over. You know, we spent all this money and now we know kind of what decisions were made when, but, you know... <laughs> I am not convinced that there's a lot of really live lessons are going to be learned from that. And my worry mm -hmm. about the ferry inquiry, a ferry inquiry might be that be something quite similar um, that I, I, you know, that it wouldn't have a burning conclusion that would be of kind of live use. Yeah. I think the difference is, is I don't think we're going to stick another tram system in anywhere, but we're going to need well, exactly. to build, you know, we're going to, need to build more ferries. So it's important that we know but listen, as you say, if, if they're just box ticking exercises, you know, they're absolutely pointless. Uh, perhaps mm -hmm. we should just stop effing stuff up, you know. <laughs> that, that, that would be nice. That might yeah. help, help, you know, that a much better way to do it would be some competent government and then we can avoid public inquiries. Yeah, well, I mean, that actually brings us on quite nicely to our next uh, segment that I wanted to talk about. So obviously... You know, last, not the weekend there, but the one before was the SNP conference. And we had um, a somewhat 
surprising announcement from Hamza that the council tax was going to be frozen. And obviously, you know, the fallout from that kind of was reported straight away. You had COSLA shouting about it, all sorts of people. But it, it doesn't, the issue doesn't seem to really be going away. Um, and I think that, you know, we're we're still continuing to see many, many public services complaining about the fact that they've got no funding. Um, on Sunday, uh, my colleague John Ferguson at the Sunday Mail had a story about the police uh, union basically warning that they might not be able to protect us against things like terrorism and stuff because of the state of the force. Um, we've got the fire brigades union, I think, on protesting because of pay. And we've also got school, more schools like due to close because of um, teachers voting for strike action. I mean, where, where, Anna, where do you think this, where does it end? I mean, what is the solution to it? Or do you think people are just going to have to accept, you know, we're just, our services are just not going to be very good now? Well, it puts councils in a really invidious position, doesn't it? Because they're the ones who are going to have to suck this up and make it work. Um, yes. And, I mean, obviously, all the services are taking this golden moment while attention is on this subject to make this point that, you know, they they can't, they're stretched already. They, they, there's no more give in their system. I mean, the Fire Brigade Union were protesting out of FMQs uh, before FMQs this morning, and um, you know that was a that was Anna Sarwar's first um, attack line this morning was on that. So you know, there's a there's a lot of um, there's going to be a lot of political collateral damage in in this decision. I mean, in the long term, you know, this money has got to come from somewhere. And so that's that's what we have in the post. It's not going to be coming if it's not going to be coming from our council tax, it's going to be coming from elsewhere, whether that's an increase in income tax or any other ancillary taxes they can rattle up any cash from. But you know, it's not that it's not going to come from nowhere. There was already a huge hole, black hole in the, the budget, and this is only making it worse, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I mean Okay, I don't know what you think. I, I, speaking to a few people um, since the, the the council tax, specifically since that announcement, you know, they were suggesting that the way that Hamza Youssef was wording it about kind of middle income people and how he's wanting to help middle income families, you know, there was a suggestion that you know have the SNP done some particular polling that shows that they need to go after this specific target audience, etc. Now that obviously that could be very cynical, but I don't know what you think of that. Do you think that this was a sort of political ploy, or do you think it was a sort of genuine attempt to try and save people a bit of money? No, I think it's a um, it's a very populist decision. It's a political ploy. Uh, U-turn Yusuf has already is obviously seen um, some polling, or you can see the way the wind's blowing. Is that uh, your? Have you just made that nickname up? On uh, just well, I've got it written here. Uh, remember to say. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, but um, would I quite like that? U-turn. Yep, yep. U-turn Yusuf. So um, I, I, I think. Um, Sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. So he's, um, 
he, he, I think he has made this. This, this, this is a decision that he thinks is going to be a vote winner. He knows that ultimately when councils need to cut services, uh, the blame will probably end up falling on the council in many people's eyes in the court of public opinion, which is obviously so important. I think it, it, the proof of that is the fact that it's, it, it appears to be completely uncosted. It was barely discussed beforehand. It wasn't part of his um, his, his programme for government. And in fact, Scottish Express has a story this week that suggests, uh, although this is denied by the Scottish government, but apparently uh, the, um, the the permanent secretary wasn't very happy about a suggestion for this to go into the programme for government. And perhaps that's why he said to wait to, um, you know, SNP conference to do it. I, 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 you know, it's clearly there. It was there to grab some headlines. It, it, it seems ill, um, ill thought out. Ultimately, I think households will, a lot of households will be breathing a sigh of relief because they're already mm -hmm. under pressure. Um, but it, it's also, you know, there's suggestions, uh, suggestions that it's brought the Verity House Agreement, obviously, with councils to work together. Mm. I, I don't know, perhaps whoms I think are too wee, too stupid, too poor to make their own decisions. They're always using that. That term, but um, I, I think it's a, I think it is a cynical ploy to buy votes, and I think it's already starting to bite them in the bum. Um, you've seen Shona Robinson bumbling about it the other day in Holyrood, uh, more of her later, obviously. But um, it, 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 it just seems to me right now a first minister who's desperate to try and turn the tide and is willing to do or say anything just to do it. Um, and I think it'll be very very interesting when we see the Scottish uh, when we see the Scottish uh, budget. Mm. which will be next month, so, uh, sorry, December normally, the start of December, so, mm. um, it, it, yeah, I mean, that's my take on it, a, a populist move from a guy who claims to hate populist politicians. Mm. Interesting, well, we'll see again, we'll see how that plays out, and as you say, we'll see um, what the budget has in store for us at the start of December. Um, so I think, you know, we're coming up to kind of towards the end of the show, and how could we go through an entire episode of Planet Hollywood this week and not mention that it's one week of Rishi, or one one week, one year. <laughs> it's not been one week. Uh, one year of our Prime Minister Rishi Sunak in power. Um, and, I mean, it's certainly been a less exciting year than when Boris Johnson was in charge, but I think that we all kind of needed probably a bit more boring politics. Uh, but, you know, what do you guys think of Rishi's kind of first year? I mean, obviously, we've had a bit of turmoil in the Tories. We've had some people uh, leaving. They've also gained uh, the lovely Lisa Cameron from the SNP. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I can't point to as many clangers for Rishi as I, as I could have for, for Boris in his first year or so. But I don't know, that's that's just what I think. What, what do you guys think of his first year? Has it been a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Anna? Oh. <laughs> what, is that an equivocation? Are yeah, you, what's are you that? Undecided. Undecided. <laughs> okay. um, I he's think he's done... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's done okay. In the in the situation that was handed to him mm. by his, you know, both his predecessors. Sometimes I forget Liz Trust was ever Prime Minister, to be honest. She was there for such a brief period, but she, she obviously had a massive impact in that period. Aye, well, the shortest 
the shortest PM, but the you know, she just right cocked it up, her and quasi quarting. <laughs> don't you think he benefits? Don't you think Sunak benefits from having followed such a line of, I mean, not benefits even, but I mean, he follows such a line of duds that mm. I think that possibly makes him look slightly stronger than he is. And I think he still looks pretty weak. But, mm. you know, it would be hard not to be better than Liz Truss. I mean, that is that is not a high bar. You know, don't tank the economy. You know, hold steady. Um I still think he's. I still think he looks pretty thin. I mean, he's a. Okay, he might have gained an, an SNP floor crosser, but he has lost three spectacular by-elections. You know, he's been really humped in three elections, and frankly, the response to that, or oh, the 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 conservative vote didn't come out, mm. is a very very weak last defence response to that. You know, we heard that in Rutherglen. Um, that was, was the SNP line in Auckland. So yeah. you know, they've um, repurposed that. Um, you know, if I mean, I heard someone saying the other day that if, if anyone else wanted to be chairman of the, the Conservative Party, then Greg Hans would probably have had to, would have resigned over those two disasters, the two English ones, the Tamworth one and the Mid Bedfords one, you know, the because the, he oversaw those elections and they were absolutely. Uh, disastrous toilet flushing exercises for the Tories, but you know who wants to be the chairman of the Conservative Party? It's a that's not a job that anyone's going to be rushing to want to do, is it? No, I'm not sure. Um, those were in many ways a, a verdict on Rishi Sunak. I think they were a verdict on, in some ways, Boris Johnson and Liz Trust. I, I think Rishi Sunak inherited a complete bin fire. You mean the by-election results? Yeah, sorry, the by-election results. So, mm. you know, I think what we've had is, like you say, Hannah, it's been a year of more boring politics, and I'm on record mm. initially saying I think that's why Keir Starmer's going to win the next election, because I think mm. he's the most boring, um, you know, candidate <laughs> to be Prime Minister. And I think people, I, I, I genuinely think people want that. Um, they just want somebody who's seen as a, a kind of safe pair of hands, you know, you look at what Sunak's done. I mean, he's done some good stuff. There was a, you know, the Windsor framework has kind of calmed relations mm. with the EU. Um, he's, you know, he's made he's made steps to try and, uh, you know, hold people to account for errors. You know, you look at Zahawi, who, 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 who was obviously ousted because he's tax affairs. I mean, I've got no doubt under you know, Boris Johnson. He would have survived that. Um, what about his five hand, pledges? Are you are you impressed with his progress on his five pledges? You need to remind me what they were. <laughs> <laughs> I can I do think... that. He was going to half inflation, grow the economy, reduce national debt, cut NHS waiting lists, and stop small boats. Well, on um, on the economy, obviously he hasn't halved inflation, but it's starting to stabilise. We've avoided a recession. Um, just, but you know, we're kind of. I mean, I'm still absolutely skint, guys. I yeah. Don't know what you, but I'm skint. Probably well, I mean, more skint than I have in the past. Every time years. I go shopping, I just moan incessantly about the price of everything. Mm-hmm. But um, I, you know, quite a lot of that was out of his hands. You, you, you know, it's something that you. He was the chancellor. 
Well, yes, exactly. there is that argument, of course. <laughs> you know, decisions he made well, he was transferred, maybe, maybe um, impacting on it. But uh, in terms of the small boats, I think I'm, 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 I, I read this morning that small boats have been cut in the last year. Uh, I don't, don't kind of quote me on that. But again, it's probably not something that impacts on us too much. And obviously, yeah, uh, the NHS isn't hasn't 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 been a success. So. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. He's made some progress. What are you giving him? Is that your two and a half out of five kind of mark? Is that what the? I'm giving him a. I don't know if B minus is a bit too generous. I see. You know, it's a pass, but mm. he's crawled through. Must do. You know, could do better. Yeah, I think and, it was interesting you're saying about how you know, in terms of the NHS waiting list and stuff. Obviously, that's not really impacting Scotland, but. I'm wondering just very briefly what you guys think has been his sort of impact in Scotland because, to be honest, the main thing that I've seen is just, I, I feel like Westminster's kind of bamming, bamming up the, the Scottish Parliament a bit more now than they have been before. I don't know if that's just me. It just feels like they're being a lot more antagonistic in the past year than, than normal. I don't know if, if you guys think he's had any other impact in, in Scotland specifically as, as Prime Minister. I mean, I'm, I I think he would struggle to find Scotland on a map. I mean, I think Scotland just doesn't isn't on his radar in mm. any way whatsoever. I, I just don't get any impression that there's really anything that he's interested in here. I think probably the, you know, the, the sophology is that, um, you know, Scotland's going to have a lot of labour gains in the next general election I think he's just so what that's the feeling I get yeah I'm also I'm also not convinced that Trishy Sunak who's being a bit more aggressive towards the Scottish government I think uh, uh, Alistair Jack might be might be behind that and I'm sure you know mm. speaking for yeah. the uh, express readers uh, not before time but um, well uh, yeah. yeah I mean Trishy Sunak you know he's impacting Scotland I think um, negligible has, 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 hasn't been huge but you know that's that's the situation we're in with with, with devolution mm. well I think that is all we've got time for this week just before we go though let's do our good week and bad week um, Dougie do you want to go first who have you got for good week uh, well uh, for good week for enough I've actually picked Rishi Sunak for uh, yeah. lasting a year as Prime Minister and just to, just to quickly continue on, he, uh, he has shown that he's willing to support the Scottish North Sea oil and gas industry. So there is one impact that he has had in Scotland, uh, a pretty a pretty significant one at that. I, I, I think he's probably had a better year than most people would have thought he would. Uh, and in the words of Winston Churchill, I think he needs to just keep buggering on for the next year. Um, govern, you know, govern for the country, not his party, which is something that I think he's better at than Boris Johnson. Um, buggering on rather than buggering off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just keep just keep buggering on. We're probably a year away from an election. He's got a year to try and turn the Tory fortunes around. I, I, I think that's a big ask, but I think he's done better than most would have thought when he came in. Uh, mm-hmm. For bad week, I've went, I'll just go really quick on this one. I've went for Shona Robinson, who I, I, I think was shown up a bit this week when talking about the council tax freeze. Um, I, I don't know if she's just incompetent or whether she's been sidelined, but I thought she looked completely out of her depth uh, as Deputy First Minister, and it continues to baffle me 
that uh, Umza Yusuf uh, gave her the job in the first place. Mm. Anna, what, what have you gone for? A good week. I think Lord Brailsford did a good job um, chairing the COVID inquiry. I thought his tone was just right. He was very dignified. He started with a really, um, I thought, well-pitched commiseration to people who had lost people during the pandemic. It wasn't purple and uh, over-egged and embarrassing. I I, I thought he got the tone just right. Um, Several of the people I spoke to said that they felt the way that the inquiry had been organised was very sympathetic towards them. Um, and, you know, that that comes from the top, doesn't it? You know, that kind of um, uh, approach uh, is is uh, top down. So mm. I'm taking from that 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 came from him. And so I think he's had a good week and let's hope he can continue to do it that way. Mm. Uh, bad week, I've picked um, Jenny Gilruth, the SNP education minister, a former teacher. Um, and I think we just have in the post quite a horrible time um, coming up with more strikes, more school closures. Schools are still cover, uh, struggling to recover from COVID. You know, th- there was a, there was a figures out earlier this week that there's been um, a, a really big rise in school absences. You know, there's 40% of secondary school students are missing one day of school a fortnight after COVID. There's long-term running problems with schools recovering from COVID. Then on top of it, they've got new strikes unison uh, unwilling to accept a pay deal so i think uh yeah jenny horrible week ahead Mm. well i think that is all we have time for this week but thank you very much for joining us and when paul hutchin uh stops getting his shiatsu seaweed (laughs) that's it his toenails have been been buffed to high sheen We can ask them to get we can ask them to get them out in the next week's podcast. No. No. <laughs> um, no, no, we won't be having that. So yes, when Paul Hutchin comes out of uh, his spa treatments, I'm sure that he'll be back uh, hosting next week. But uh, for now, thank you very much and see you later. Cheers. Bye. It's important we look at the facts. Why? Why? Douglas Ross is sounding pretty scared. I believe in independence. And he clapped like a seal.